0: Welcome to an episode of Bench Talk. I'm your host Tom Gerard. Uh, this week, I've got an episode coming from uh, London. I'm uh, over here setting up for an exhibition, and um, yeah, I've met a lot of uh, new friends while I've been over here. And I'm sitting down with one of them today. Uh, I've got um, I've got Haza from uh, New Zealand sitting here. How are you going? Good, even better now that I'm sitting here. Yeah, but um, do you want to tell me like uh, where you're from and how you're going to art? Uh,
1: yeah, well, I'm from Aotearoa, New Zealand. Um, and I got into art my dad was an artist so I started drawing and painting like when I was before five Um, and then just over time uh, that manifested into tagging which manifested into graffiti and it's like it's kind of done full circle like I'm back into the art thing now Um, but yeah it's been a long journey it's about 25 years of just consistent drawing and painting Um, and then, yeah, still doing it.
0: Yeah. So, like, what sort of art does your dad do?
1: Uh, so, he's more of a, um, what would you call it, like a, a fantasy painter. So, he grew up with a lot of Frank Frazetta and Boris Villagio. Um, and so, that's what I grew up with. So, that was my initial background into art. So, I started trying to draw, um, like, realism when I was a little kid. Um, and then yeah he sort of went away for a little bit uh and then I was kind of just left up to myself to find the art that worked for me and just i guess the area that i grew up in and the friends that i hang out with um, just led to graffiti
0: yeah did your um, did your dad teach you how to paint and draw when you were younger
1: uh i don't think he ever taught me how to do it he encouraged me like he used to buy my brother and i um i can't remember what they called it. it's like every kid had one it's like some stationary kit that everyone gets and it's got like a whole bunch of felt tips and um like little watercolors and like a little pencil sharp and it comes in like a little suitcase looking thing um but yeah like he never really taught us how he just like encouraged us to yeah
0: it's pretty cool like i uh, i had no encouragement to ask <laughs> yeah i was yeah, uh, yeah no, i just left my own devices i guess yeah but uh, i guess it's really cool to have a parent that's um it's
1: into what you're into now, yeah, yeah. yeah well, I, I really looked up to what he did, and just from a kid, like I aspired to be as good as he was. Mm. Um, and it's really funny, like the the paintings he used to do, because he was inspired by people like Frank Zetter and whatnot. Like I used to try and make those paintings and drawings when I was at school, but at like a really young age, and I used to draw these like Vikings and like half-naked woman like when I was at primary school um, and like they were, they were questionable by like my teachers and stuff and um, yeah I just I think like from an early age I got into like really gore sort of subject matter just based on what he used to show me and like every Sunday we had the Terminator on repeat so that was kind of like my inspiration um, growing up as a kid like which basically just came from him yeah. Um, and then, yeah, he went away for a little bit. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I was kind of just left to my own devices and had to sort of figure out what I wanted to do. And graffiti was, at that moment, like the only art that resonated with me.
0: Did you see graffiti as art when you were starting, or was it just something that, an uh, uh, activity that the local kids were doing and you looked up to them?
1: Um, no, it was like 100% just tagging. That's, that's kind of like, I didn't even really know about pieces for about two years after tagging um only by stumbling across a source magazine and like the area that i lived in auckland it was like a one way in one way out city or oh, town sorry um so i never really left there so i never saw the rest of auckland graffiti um until i was like maybe 14 and then yeah i hopped on a train and realized like there was this whole other culture in auckland because um, keep in mind that's also before uh, the internet so unless you had like a book or someone had given you access to um any of this stuff like you just really had to see it to believe it
0: yeah and what like what years are we talking
1: here um so i started i did my first tags when i was like in 99 so i think i was like uh, maybe 11 mm-hmm. and then yeah i think it was like in 2002 i started um sort of doing throw-ups and Attempting to do pieces, um, but it's the same thing. The same way I used to like try and um, emulate like the paintings that my dad did. Like when I first found graffiti, like I just went straight into trying to do burner pieces straight away. Like I, there was no gradual um law in which most graffiti writers try and impose on other people. Like you got to do tags and throw ups and pieces and burners. Um, I just saw the good shit and I was just like, I'm just going straight for that. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's like so you have anyone. Uh, like schooling you through uh, that time?
1: Not for the first few years. My brother was into it as well, so like we we had like this competitive thing going on between us. Um, and he's older than me as well, so um, he used to really like put me down and was like, "Oh man, you know, like you suck at graph. Why do you even do it? You're never going to be good at it." Um, so that encouraged me to keep going. And then there was a writer from like Central Auckland who moved out to where we lived, and that's kind of like when he opened up a whole new world for us. So he. Kind of like schooled us up about like the process and how everybody goes through the tagging, throw ups, the pieces and stuff. Um, and then I started to see it for myself. And then just from there, we started to meet like a lot more of the Auckland graffiti community.
0: Mm. Yeah, because I remember just I didn't know anything about Auckland graffiti uh, pre-internet. You know, I was like art crimes and things like that when I started to so see. I think askew was pretty prominent on on promoting it like yeah. um, through the internet. And uh, I was just blown away by the, the level. Because, you know, I, I guess coming from the east coast of Australia, you, we thought we were, you know, like sort of tucked away from the world as far as like, you know, geographic locations go. But then you guys were even further away than yeah. that. So it was, um, I was really blown away by the level of, uh, of painting that was happening over there. And then when I, I went over for my first time to New Zealand, I don't know, I guess, I guess it was the early 2000s to go snowboarding. And I was like, the pieces I was saying, I was like, man, these guys are really good.
1: Yeah, I guess because we're a small community, like the evolution happens a lot quicker. Mm. It doesn't filter through um, like a whole bunch of people before it comes back to the other end. So it bounces back like a ping pong machine and it just, it grows and grows and grows. Um, But from what I know, like a lot of the inspiration at first came from um, the Australian scene, like a bunch of writers from Australia or from New Zealand that had moved there had come back and really kind of inspired like the local scene. Um, But Askew also brought over a lot of European writers and American writers. Um, And that just, you know, when you see it firsthand, like everyone just sort of documented as much as they could, you know, memorized it or took photos, got them exposed like two weeks later. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it just like, it just really blew up. It's a shame because that same process isn't happening now. I mean, yeah. not to talk down on the New Zealand graffiti scene. It's growing, but um, the evolution is a lot slower than what it used to be.
0: Yeah, but I think it's that, that you know, the same argument with the internet, you know, internet yeah. killed regional style and all that type of stuff, you know. Yeah. Because if if you guys had, like, some international writers coming over, I guess whoever hit your shores, that was who everyone was looking at going, wow, I want to be like them. Whereas with the internet, you're just flooded by what's happening globally.
1: yeah. And Yeah, and there's no um you don't work your way up in regards to like your medium you just start on the good stuff and if you can't master the good stuff then it's like it's going to be a long road ahead but when you start on really shit quality mediums and you learn to like be really good with that by the time you land on like premium quality you're you're already good so i mean there's a whole bunch of elements i think that have slowed down internet i think is the one that's like really at the top of it um, but we've also got the the one that everyone talks about, which really killed the Auckland scene, which was the 2012 Rugby World Cup. Um, so basically, like, the council just got a shitload of money and they just cleaned up the whole city. Um, legal wars and everything. Uh, and then it just really, like, demotivated all the artists because because the walls were so clean, it meant that every time that I'd paint a wall, um, it was easy to, to identify it, to buff it. So your stuff didn't stay out. I mean, sometimes trains would run longer than, like, a a war piece just because um, there were so many buff companies at the time that they were, like, racing to get to all the pieces to, like, buff. Um, And, you know, there's, like, rumours that they would also send out, like, little minions to go and tag, and then they would go and buff it and then invoice the council. So, yeah, there's a whole bunch of things, like that add to it but um I mean I think our scenes only come up again it's just it's not as healthy as it used to be
0: yeah yeah but I think like you know people talk about golden eras and you know I think um you know it always comes back around yeah
1: and I think you also just have to embrace and just be like that was just a a time and let's move on exactly
0: exactly yeah one of the tagging styles that I really know from Auckland is the Auckland Straits and um like, can you tell me about how that came about? And, uh, I was, you know, we were wore painting yesterday and I saw you do some and it's just like, oh, man, I love, love that style, you know? Um,
1: I mean, I, I don't know if I could tell you, like, the full origins because it was certainly, like, ahead of my time. Um, but from what I believe, um, there was certainly, like, an influence from, like, the LA graffiti scene. So a lot of, um, like, the Polynesian families would go back and forth between, like, California and whatnot, and they would bring a lot of that influence back. Um oh sorry um and then yeah i think as well as the influence of the actual graffiti like auckland inherited like the gang lifestyle of um, los angeles so we had that real mentality of like um like turf wars in auckland this is how i kind of believe it as well um someone else might tell you different um but then just over time like each um there was kind of like south side straits and there was some writers who would kind of um do letters in a certain way like there was a a famous s um i can't tell you who did it as well because i don't know and i don't want to get this fact wrong but there was like a particular s that um, these guys would do and it would just like identify like where they're from which i believe was south auckland um and then where i was from from west auckland there was like an s that we did out there and It was like i mean you mentioned before about regional graffiti that was a way to be like okay maybe these guys are from here um but yeah certainly it has a real like gang mentality from it and like we used to call them roll calls and stuff and i'm sure everyone calls them roll calls but um we would like top to bottom a fence like along the motorway and it's just there'd be like six people in a car and you just do everyone's name and then it's a way to just like completely take over a fence it completely makes it area looks shit but um i like it because it it really speaks for like um our own piece of like original graffiti and like i guess in the history of graffiti like we have something that we can call our own Mm. Um, but yeah unfortunately i don't i don't want to like speak too much on it because i don't know all of the facts i mean there's people like askew would probably be able to tell you a lot more um but that's from what i know and also the other part i guess was um when you were coming into graffiti like the the laws that you know apparently exist um everyone had to like know how to do straights like you couldn't do pieces and people would ask you to do straights and if you couldn't do them then you weren't like your credentials were lowered on your your status in the streets um and so everyone sort of had to know how to do straights and it was important as well because when you go out in a party and um you know, you leave the party and you go drive along the motorway and people get out and do a roll call, it'd be like, you're on roll call duty. And if you had shit straights, it's like, hey, okay, you're officially off roll call duties. Um, but there's, there's a few riders I think that were like really good, good at it. Um, burst from my crew G like he was really good at doing straights. Um, I personally sucked at it, but I just liked them cause they, they look cool and they stand out from like the, the, the more stylistic tags. Um, And it's a way to just cover a wall with like with tags straight away yeah
0: yeah oh i think it's um it's for me it's it's a real auckland thing you
1: know yeah and i think also like um other people from from new zealand identified it it's like a real auckland thing as well Mm. um and then you can also tell an auckland outside of auckland Mm. because that's what they do yeah
0: because Melbourne's so close to Auckland as well, like you didn't, you see them pop up around Melbourne, and you go, "Oh, another Kiwi's in town." Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing. It's probably something I don't think we embrace enough because it was always deemed like the lower part of like the lower standards of the graffiti food chain. Um, but yeah, the more I think about it, you know, we sh- probably should be representing it a lot more than we have.
0: Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned before the area uh, you're part of, Geeback like um, can
1: you tell me about that crew and how that came out yeah so it's GBAK. um gb was like one crew which is my brother myself and um the other guy that um moved to my community or to my area and kind of schooled ourselves and my cousin as well and then ak was like burst and a whole bunch of other um auckland writers um i think there's like eight of them at the time um and we sort of we started partying together like we'll go out and do the whole roll call thing and then after a while like we just sort of um i remember it as i burst actually he did a tag and because he was from ak he did a gb first and then ak and like all of the ak guys got really pissed off at him because like why would you put their crew up before ours but that's burst he just does weird things like that um and then yeah we just we started doing like more stomper pieces and then we just realized that it looked better with four letters because everyone either had two or three but no one ever like really had four um and we always said we will never call it g back because it sounded weird but just mm. through time like that's just how we refer to it um but yeah we started in 2004 mm. um and it's been going ever since it's cool man like we've we've met like a whole bunch of other dudes from around the world who have like we've really just bonded with Um, so we put a few guys in Australia down and um, like a couple guys in Germany Uh, that's good it's 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 like a real family thing I mean like we still have our principles and our morals of why we got into graffiti in the first place but it's not a crew where I guess we just put anyone down it's like you kind of have to be Mm. a tight knit
0: yeah that's the best way for a crew to be I've been in a lot of crews over the years and they've fallen apart due to just that it's people put you in because they like your style and that's about it. Whereas, um, you know, you the ones I've had which have been a tight crew of mates, and it doesn't matter of their level, like, skill level with painting. It's just, you're almost like a family and they're the crews that last. Yeah. yeah.
1: I think there's, there's just that bravado about graffiti in which, you know, like, all of those things that, like, really, really matter, like, people don't take into consideration. But mm-hmm. that, for us, has kind of been, like, the... Um, like the gel that i guess has held our crew together for so long same as like the tmd crew that i'm also part of like that's a really family oriented crew and it's like why we're so tight mm-hmm. um but yeah I don't, know. I don't know i'm stoked that we're you know it was like something we started when i was like 15 and like i just turned 31 at the beginning of the year and like we're still going pretty tight
0: yeah it's very I, I didn't know the history behind it I think someone might have mentioned it to me once ages ago. But I always sort of read it as like get back crew or something like that. Like, yeah.
1: Well, we thought it was funny and then like um Terror Squad like Fat Joe came out with that song Lean Back and then we started like doing Get Back. Yeah. But um I guess we became like really popular because there was like another crew in Auckland Arby who were like notorious for doing like big stompers and like they'll do like super big letters. And we took the best of what we thought was the best of everybody's, um, like what made them like really good. So we'd look at TMD and be like, okay, they do like sick burners and whatnot. The RB guys paint a lot of freight and they do big um, stompers. So like we should try and do all of that. Mm. Um, so we got really popular by just doing really big graffiti. Um, There's one that we did like in the Orakei uh, orake Basin in Auckland. It's like a pipeline that runs across the water. Um, oh, and, uh, so it was in that,
0: um, was it destructive? I yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: So it's a hundred meters long. Um, and it took like 13 of us to do it uh, over three nights and we had to time it with the tides. Um, so the tide would go out and would go in as the tide was going out. Um, and then we would have to stay like right up until the tide started coming back in, which on the last night was like up to our chest. Mm. Um, and all of our materials are just like all of our paint buckets have floated off and, um, yeah, it was really funny. And then it was that last night we actually got pulled over by the cops just before we got there. Cause we were, we we're trying to like G ourselves up. So we put on some like super heavy metal music and we're like head banging in the car. And then we got pulled up because they thought like we're having a, um, like an epileptic fit <laughs> <laughs> and we we're like, shit, that's a close call. Yeah. Um, And then after it, we went to McDonald's and like all of us were like just covered in paint like top to bottom because it was like a raw asphalt sort of pipe. So like a lot of the, um, you know, when you roll a really raw wall and that shit starts coming off. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it was cool, man. It was like it was a proper recon mission uh, mission in regards to like um, budgeting material. So we didn't take out more than we needed. Um, And yeah, just like everybody had a job um we took measuring tape to like measure the letters and stuff uh yeah it lasted for five years before they eventually just like pulled the whole pipe down like it became um redundant like they didn't need to have it there anymore but um
0: it wasn't really visible from oh super visible
1: yeah Yeah, i mean it's really funny like i meet a whole bunch of young kids because where we did it it's actually in a really um upper class part of auckland and so you get a lot of sort of rich kids that live in that area and um yeah like i meet them now and they're they're probably growing up like they probably saw it when they were like young kids and like oh man i remember when i was like eight years old we used to see that all the time and i was like we never knew what it was and then uh now we had a little high moment because akon the old um rapper musician i don't know how to like refer to him he came to new zealand and they were taking him on like a little drive and they were doing like a live radio station at the time yeah and he's just like oh man what's that what's that gbak thing so like at that time before internet was like really prominent like that was like our big shout out yeah you know like for us we kind of felt like local heroes yeah it's a bit funny when i think about but now but um yeah it's, it's i don't know it's like those things i think you know like the real teamwork missions that also like solidify you as like a you know a close bunch of friends mm.
0: that's interesting like you mentioned that story because i don't know, I'm, being part of a lot of crews and i don't know everyone goes out and goes let's do a big crew wall, but everyone still just does their own thing and then chucks the crew up yeah. you know what i mean it's uh it's good to see you know i think yeah. teamwork as you said it's really bonding and um
1: our mentality was yeah. always if people knew that we we're a part of this crew anyway then you know every time we actually put up like the crew then we're just we're, we're all getting the fame mm. so that was our mission that um Unless we're doing, like, a, a war, then we'll do pieces. But other than that, it was, like, always just strictly crew stuff. Um, and we still kind of have that mentality now.
0: Yeah. So, like, moving on, like, how did uh, art start entering your life again?
1: Um, just hanging out with other artists, I think. Like, I've always had the art genetic in me to, like, want to make art that meant something. Um, but I guess, like, the graffiti thing took me on a whole different path. But... I went back to art school um, and i did a degree in graphic design not because i needed it but i just wanted to have some kind of qualification in life and i thought design would be like the easiest thing Um, but through there like i sort of started hanging out like more in the painting department um, and then met like a whole bunch of painters from there and i started going to more exhibitions and stuff Um, and just that part like reinserted itself back into my life and then I shared a studio with, like, a whole bunch of artists, like, um, Burst, Askew, um, Misery, uh, this guy, Matt Arbuckle, Tim Weber, and um, Ross Lewis, and Rebecca Wallace. Um, and we had this, like, studio in the, the middle of the city because uh, they were about to bust this building down, and the landlord was, like, trying to buy up all this land so he could eventually... Um, bust it all and like build a super city so he was like look this place is going to be redundant for two years so you guys can just have it for free it's like right in the middle of auckland city um so just having that space and being like surrounded by all those artists it like, kind of made me start to like think about the artwork that i made again but i was also still way more influenced by graffiti and i didn't really care about making art that meant a lot to me um so i was like for a long time i was like super confused about the kind of artwork that i was making and um like i get really inspired really easy like i just need to meet an artist and be like i like what you're doing and not in a way like copy it but it's like i want to i want to know what it feels like to paint like how you paint because i really like what you do Mm. um and then that made it even more confusing because i just became this like like if i had a show it looked like a group show Mm. like i couldn't identify who i was as an artist for a long time um that has only really become apparent like in the last few years of who i am but i think it just comes with age as well and and just experience and like realizing after a while like who you are as a human being Um,
0: but i think that's just part of development as well because if you can overthink something and uh just go down one one path like i like you saying oh i um do a show and it looks like a group show, like my studio looks like that at the moment. And I, I, I'm really happy with that because yeah. I know I'm exploring and I'm not holding back and saying that my, that, that one idea I had three years ago is what I need to be doing right now. And, um, and I feel that the more you do, the more you explore, the more you sort of work out who you are and what your art looks like. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm really happy to be in this middle ground at the moment.
1: It's a good place to be. I mean, I when I look back at it now, I'm glad that I went through all of that because there was so much exploration mm. and I realized what I'm good at, what I'm not good at, what I like and what I don't like. Yeah. And then you start to like bridge the gaps on those things and you rid the shit that you don't need anymore. Um, but I guess at that time, like in my mid-20s, like early to mid-20s, like everyone around me was able to identify with who they were. Mm. And I, like, I just wanted a piece of that pie. Um, so I tried to like, give myself this identity um, but that just comes through I guess figuring out who you are and, and then eventually your life starts to paint the picture mm. um, so that's what it's kind of been more over the years because I've I, like I, I've always felt deep about things and, you know if, if I'm if i feel a a particular way about a situation like i like to let it be known i've just never been able to translate that through visual um so i write a lot like i do a lot of writing and i try and write like a lot of poetry that i keep to myself that no one will ever hear about but um yeah i've just i've never been able to bridge the gap between that and like a visual aesthetic Um, That yeah like i said that's only just coming like the last few years i'd say like late 2016 is when i really Started to like figure out who I was as a person.
0: Yeah. Well, it's a lifelong journey, isn't it? Yeah. you go through different seasons in life, as I like to put it. But um, yeah, I, it's it's all part of the journey and part yeah. of the fun.
1: And it's not to say I'm there yet, because I see a lot of my other friends who are a lot older than me, um who have really just hit their stride, mm. and I think that's what, kind of what gives me hope. So. It really just as a long game so even now i don't even really care where i'm at like i'm happy with where i'm at but it's not like this is going to be me for the rest of my life like this is the artwork that i'm going to make it's mm. just the artwork that i'm happy to make right now um that i that i genuinely feel um happy about because i can i can see the process and the journey and the exploration which got me here um but yeah there's nothing that'll say that that'll change in like the next decade.
0: Mm. But. Because, like, I think about that, you're saying that, and I've thought about different parts of my life where I've thought, I'm set up, this is me for life now. And uh, even, you know, I remember being in having a full-time job. I bought a house in a great relationship, and all my friends were saying, oh, you're set for life now. And I was I remember being, like, you know, 31 and going, shit, is this it for the rest of my life? Is this what my life's going to look like? And I think back to everything that's happened in between then and now, and it's... Um, you know i was fortunate enough that my wife wanted to shake shake things up and we sold everything we we owned and went overseas and my life has sort of grown so much from there and i feel the same with my art like you know i've landed on a style and thought all right this is it this i've, I've found a solid style that works for me to show in galleries then realizing you know you, you're 100 paintings into that style go, like, i can't just keep doing this for the rest of my life it's not scratching the itch for me creatively so you start exploring new things and i think that um i don't think it's ever good to say i'm there if you know what i mean yeah 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 because you like you want to keep growing and exploring and and that's a beauty in life and uh yeah Yeah, it makes sense what i'm saying yeah Yeah. Um, Yeah.
1: and you know and you could um you sort of just respect that that time and just be like you know like i made some really good stuff at this time but i've moved on Mm. um and you know like a musician when they they drop their first album and then they they do a tour like 10 years later and they've released like six more albums in that time but everyone just wants to see the first album mm. um and i think it's just like blocking out all of those people that want you to stay in that era and just you know keep doing you yeah um because you know i mean it must be hard as a musician to like keep doing the same song after like. Mm decades when you you inherently know that you're still creative and you're still making good stuff that people like yeah i don't want to hear that old oh that new shit i just came to hear the club bangers yeah um so yeah i think a biggest part of my journey is actually blocking out um opinions that dictate the direction of the artwork that i want to make Mm -hmm. um and half of that is like my own opinions as well yeah
0: but i think as an artist as well and um may you know like You know, maintaining a lifestyle as an artist, you know, bringing in the cash and all that. It's good to have like a hit single to turn back to. Yeah. Like I feel like I've got that with sort of the character work I do, and I I like to explore lots of different areas, but I know that they don't sell as well at the moment, and they might do down the track. So in my own time, I like to really paint as much of that as I can. But I know when it comes time to sell some artwork, I can uh, you know to maintain a lifestyle, I can. Re- revert back to the hit single yeah. yeah so
1: the way i've learned to navigate around that situation is um because i come from like that realism background it means like i have that um that's like my my wild card that i can play whenever i want so the way i've set up the way that i make art now is i um and i still do a little bit de- design work if it interests me um so design work and commission work is where i make my money um and that stuff i don't really care about but it's i guess it's like commercial but it still leads back to me um and then the artwork that i exhibit that i feel like represents who i am as a human that stuff i don't care about selling so because i i never wanted that artwork to be dictated by um a price tag you know and whether or not it sells because then that starts to change the context of the artwork that i make and you know the things that i feel strongly about if i think shit is this painting going to sell or not like that thought there changes the whole context of the painting that i'm making in the first place so i try and use all of my skill assets to generate money and all of my personal mentality assets of what generates the paintings and if they sell they sell like i don't have a problem with that part of the equation but um yeah, the way I've learned to navigate it is I just, I've set half of my life up as a commercial side and half of it as, um, just a, as an artist side. And I, cause I used to, the same thing as you, like I had a full-time job. I had like the perfect job, um, for a company back home called Burger Fuel. And they like, they sponsored me as an artist, basically. They, they said I could have a day off each week to spend in my studio cause they believed that I could make good art. They, um, they asked me to set up a creative program for the brand, which meant that I could be more creative in the brand. And um, I invited like a whole bunch of artists over to take part in it. Um, and it took me about seven years to like build that part of my life. And it was at the peak. And then I just, I just had this thought, like one, my girlfriend wanted to leave New Zealand. Um, and the other part was like, shit, like, I love this part of my life, but will I love it in five years? Because essentially it's actually just going to be the same thing over and over again. Um, And I I mentioned it to you yesterday, like I'd way rather regret a situation than resent a situation. So i got no problem regretting coming over here and being like, well, fuck, that was a mistake. And then going home back to essentially what was my dream job. But I would resent myself for the rest of my life if I never took that step in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I guess after that, like trying to also have the full-time job as well as like these other two parts it's just like one had to give and it was like the full-time job um and like i've lived in london for 14 months i moved here in june last year and I, like, i've survived ever since like i haven't um I haven't worked since then i've just been completely sufficient of making self-sufficient of making artwork wow. and and just doing like the odd design job But I did one design job when I got here, um, which was a a corporate job um, for like a a legal firm, I think. And it was also after that job, I said that I'm like not taking on any more like general design work. Like I'll only take it on if it's a collaboration between like myself and whoever's asking for it. Like if they're coming to me and saying, I chose you as a designer because I like your portfolio, um not because you're a graphic designer mm. so yeah it's. i mean i say no to more jobs than i should but and i i could have more money than i do but i think inherently like i just feel a lot better as like, as i wake up in the morning knowing that i'm just doing the work that i enjoy and i'm just painting the paintings that i like
0: mm. yeah good on you power yeah. to you man yeah it's, like it's it hard takes, it takes a lot of courage to do that oh especially going into a new city as well like Yeah, I've lived in London a few times and I've never had the guts to be a full-time artist over
1: here. Yeah, it's hard, but it it means, um, I mean, basically my life is, I just get by on analogies. So the way I think about it is, you know, like when you go to school, like, you know, you learn and then by the time you leave school, you're like qualified enough, but not qualified enough to get into the next level of, of life, which is usually a job or for most people, university. So you go to university and you study for four years or however long it takes and you're qualified there, but not good enough to get a job. Mm. So the next phase, I guess, after uni was starting work and building my way up um, into the point where I graduated from my work life. But then all of those things, like there's still a lot of shit in life that I needed to learn. Tax is one of them. Um, So yeah, I just like kicked that all in. I came way back to the beginning um and just like learning to email people and because i've never had to do that because i've never been desperate enough to like go and chase work uh, one because i lived in auckland and two i guess like work just came to me so after moving here like i had to let go a lot of my pride and start emailing people um learn to hear the word no a lot more um so i think like at, at now like i'm at that um like I'm basically, I'm just starting life. Like I've I've learned everything that I need to get by in life, and now is like the beginning of my actual journey. That's how I like to think of it.
0: Yeah, oh, good stuff. Yeah. So can you tell me about some of the um the art projects you've worked on? You mentioned a few yesterday when we were, we were hanging out, and it's like it's you know you've worked on some uh, you know really crazy art projects for the sounds and things.
1: Yeah, um, like I said, I think a lot, and um, I try and do things that and not just like hanging work in a, in a studio space. Not that there's anything wrong with it, that's a good way to um, you know show what you've been working on. But um, I guess the show that you're referring to, it was more of like a installation performance piece. And um, I had this idea about like creating work in a, in a space where people could watch me over a period of time, but I didn't really have the context um, to like back this idea. And then I watched um, Marina Abramovic's documentary in which she um, she lives, you know, the one where she basically situates herself in, in the museum for three months. Um, and that was incredible. If anyone hadn't seen, I recommend it. But after that, like I really started trying to think about like why would anyone want to come and watch me paint over a period of time. Uh, and then I really I started to think about uh, like the preservation of graffiti art, how it's the only art form basically that um, there's no like preservation behind it, you know. Like I, ninety percent of the artwork I've made in my life probably doesn't exist anymore because it's either been painted over or, or the the buildings have been busted down. Um, so I started to think about like how could I portray this idea of um, how I feel about you know how I give so much of myself to the world and in, in, in the context of art, but it's just not appreciated. Um, so I thought if I built this this um i built this perspex cube it was three by three meters and we we had like a a crate bed in there with like this shitty little mattress that i regret um like a -a portaloo a fridge and people would bring me food but i basically lived in this box for for five days in the middle of auckland um and eventually like you know i just painted myself in and people would come along and chat and be like oh man like i can't wait to see this when it's finished like it's looking sick um and then,
0: sorry, when you say you painted yourself in, like
1: oh, what Uh, well, because it's perspex. Um, like I reverse painted everything. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just did it over the course of a week. You know, like I'd slowly paint myself in. Um, and I mean, just the week itself was a story in itself, and you know, I'll get to that after after this. But so the idea was to yeah, eventually like paint myself in, and then I told everyone that. Um, you could come and see it at five o'clock on the Friday afternoon but I'd pulled the show and we were gone by 3 p.m. so after that like and um and we also chose to not um do any post media about it um so when everyone came down at 5 p.m like I started just getting all these messages like hey man like where's your show I'm I'm here at the um at the cloud and like I can't see you uh and then I just missed it's like, oh we pulled it at three and they're like oh what like I didn't get to see it And so every time someone would say I didn't get to see it meant that this um, message that I was trying to convey of like, yeah, well, imagine how we feel like there's a lot of artwork that we put out there. And sometimes it's actually it makes the artwork that we make is a lot more rare than anything that is preserved, because it means that what is there in the morning might not be there in the evening. And for the very few people that walk past it, um, they experience some that no one else would see. Um, And I, I think I. I realized that that was a really important aspect of what we do, but it's always overshadowed by um, the connotation of what graffiti art is, which is vandalism, um, which is how the media portrayed it when we, um, they called me up to do an interview. Uh, they were going to come down and actually do a, like a live interview, but they wanted to call me up and find out about it first. And after like 20 minutes of me um, telling my story and telling, me, telling them basically what the show was about, Um, their response was like, oh, but like, um, don't taggers steal their spray paint. And I was like, well, clearly you haven't listened to a word that I said, and maybe you're not the best person to like tell the story. Um, so I'm like really happy that I did the show. It's just unfortunate that I don't think Auckland, especially, I think if I'd done the show in Wellington, it might've been received a little bit better because they're a little bit more open to the art community. But, um, Auckland just straight over their head, like they really just didn't understand what I was trying to do. Um, but yeah, and then just living in a box in the middle, it was on the wharf as well, in the middle of the city, like you have to deal with homeless people who are scavenging, you have to deal with drunk people who just want to do dumb shit. Um, and just the elements of sleeping on the street and not being able to remove yourself from that situation. Like, I didn't take that into consideration. Um, so after a week of living in there in the final night as well, like uh, um, a storm hit Auckland. So the whole box was like about to blow off. Um, like I think I was for almost a year, I was like pretty um, deprived of just making artwork. I was like so creatively drained that I couldn't, I had nothing more to give. Mm. Um, like every time I try and do something, it just I felt shit about like everything that I made. And um, but it's cool. I think like that particular show, I think was maybe just ahead of its time. Like, and I could have maybe done a little bit more PR, but the PR that we did put out, the response was all negative because they they really just didn't see what I was trying to do there.
0: Mm. They just saw as graffiti artists doing something. Yeah, weird. I mean,
1: you see it. Like I could be painting like a Mona Lisa on the street. But as, as soon as I have a spray can in my hand, it's like vandalism, you know, so. yeah. Um, but that's just about educating society on, on what it is. And it's a slow process. It's something that I'm content with. Yeah. Um, and we'll get there in the future.
0: Yeah. So what about um, like the art you're making now in London? Like can you tell me a bit about that. Uh,
1: yeah. So the artwork I'm making now is, it's the artwork I've been wanting to make for a very long time. I've just been too scared to make it um and that's because everybody i know back in new zealand like they know me for um like the good artwork that i make or what people refer to good artwork you know being able to copy something they make it look like something um so was really hard for me to make this artwork that i'm making now which is basically just like line work and it kind of comes from um like if you look at it it's basically just um Figurative throw-ups that you know, they look like throw-ups, but I've managed to turn them into like little characters Um, I mean, I outline everything with mop pens and stuff Um, but like, I've enjoyed that and I've enjoyed making these artworks for for like the last three years now, but I've just been too scared to to really throw everything at it in Auckland because everyone's just like oh, but why don't you just make the art, you know Like you're so good at painting like why don't you just do that? I was like, well, why don't you just understand where I'm coming from? (laughs) Um, And, like, when I got to London, I just realized nobody cared anymore. Mm. Um, And, like, it was honestly just a big reset button. And I was just like, well, if there was ever a time where I was going to, like, pick my balls up and make the artwork that I'm comfortable making, like, now's the time. Um, And it's gone, like, really well. And... You know, and like I still do, like I said, the other stuff I just—it's just commercial stuff. Like I can still do it, and I do it, but I don't really like get behind it. It's enough to pay the bills. Um, but I did a residency at Global Street Art in Shoreditch in April this year, um, and that was actually the time where I really had to decide if I'm doing this residency, like what artwork am I going to make? Am I going to make some pretty shit in which people are like, oh man, like I love your artwork, you're really good, talented, blah blah blah, or am I just going to make some artwork that like I'm really that I feel passionate about and I was, I was tossing it up for like for months about like what I was going to do and the week before no sorry not the week before like a couple of weeks before um the the residency um you'll remember it like we had the Christchurch terror attacks mm-hmm. that hurt me like really hard because one it was like I had to um I had to watch all of this unfold outside of New Zealand knowing that like this is not the country that I believe that we are um for those that don't know which i imagine everyone does like some dickhead um just opened fire on two mosques and and wiped out i think it was just over 50 people 50 muslim people um of all ages and it was like it's a pretty catastrophic um, event to take place um so it was really uh, like hard for me to um to to take all that in but the other part was like, because um, when it happened, it was, it was nighttime New Zealand, which was morning time here, which is the day of my birthday. So when I woke up to, you know, what every year has been like, hey man, happy birthday. It was just this many people dead, this many people dead, this many people dead, Christchurch. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, fuck. Um, and I just didn't do anything for the whole day. And it, like, it, it completely ruined me. And it took me like a few weeks to like start to like... Um, to, to figure out like how i felt about it because everyone was out there telling you how you should feel about it um and then yeah it was at that moment i was like you know what if, if i'm going to make any artwork that and i keep talking about artwork that i feel passionate about like i think this is the best time for me to, like really unfold about how i felt about it and um yeah i just um over the course of a week it was just coming out like Just painting after painting after painting. I made about 50 paintings in, like, the week as well as, like, doing a piece, like, as part of my residency and, like, a whole bunch of other things. But, um, basically, the the whole subject was talking about the idea of, like, love lost, love found. Um, and where, like, love was lost, you know, love was found in those that lost their lives. That's kind of how I've, like, interpreted it. Um, so, in most countries when this shit happens, um it's you know they just accept it and they're like well i guess this is what happens but new zealand was like we 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 basically we just took a stand against terrorism we said fuck no not here um our prime minister like stood up she banned guns straight away you know she banded the whole country together and was like look guys we need to overcome this this isn't who we are as a nation other people can you know get behind it and be like oh well sorry you know blah 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 but this isn't who we are so i was like it was really inspiring um you know to as much as i watched it all those events unfold it was also inspiring to watch how we as a nation came together but from an outside perspective like i wasn't you know i just i watched all this happen i wasn't engulfed in it um and from there you know with the combination of me like really just being putting that bravado side of my graffiti to the side and being like you know what like there's things i feel passionate about in life and i think the graffiti side has up a wall for so long. Um and but eventually, you know, I've just been able to bust that down and um and that will always be like that in the context of graffiti, but the artwork I wanna make, um yeah, that graffiti part of my brain was just like saying, Make dope shit, make dope shit, make dope shit But then the inside part of me was saying, Yeah but you know, there's better things that you can be talking about. Um so with, yeah, like I said, with the combination of that event and the artwork that I wanted to make, like I really just um, was able to really like figure out who I was as like a human being and and, and how what I do can affect others and, um, and how I can like story tell properly through the artwork that I make and not really just story tell in a way of which is like, this is my ego and this is, you know, like this personality that I built up over the years. So that's been really cool i mean i'd love to like put my real name behind this artwork but um you know because it really speaks for me but i think you know basically like the last 20 years of my life have been lived through the eyes of hazard so i just feel like you know i should just keep riding that wave
0: mm. well it's yeah it's up up to you as well like i yeah. found like in the early years of my art career i was uh, I was really reluctant to drop A on. Like, it was like, oh, that's what, who I am and what I've be. been. It was a choice that I made of myself. It's like, I got to a point where I didn't like people calling me that. Yeah. And because for me, to be my, like, uh, you know, um, I guess it would be my secret double life. And then I was trying to bring it to the main stage, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man, I, I can't do this.
1: <laughs> but I do like, yeah. you know, when I go home, it's like when you go to work and you come home and you can just relax yeah that's how I feel about um, you know just anything that goes under the, the name Hazard is all work for me it's all mm. the way that you know I, I perceive myself to the world and when I take my my real name home Cairo um, you know I don't bother sensitizing that stuff either it's yeah. just um, I don't know just is what it is but when I when I go home it's just like I can just be myself around my friends and family
0: yeah yeah I guess different strokes for different folks, yeah. eh? and that's the the good thing. Everyone's got their own story and their own journey, and they've got their own set of uh, morals and principles and ideas on where they want to go. In yeah. Life. So, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, because you're one of a few artists that I saw really just come out like with your name. I was like, man, you know, like, is it time that I do that? Mm. Um, but at that time, I was, you know, I was talking about how I was like really confused as an artist. It just added another element to it. Yeah. So I just I was like. Can- Let's just remove that because that's going to confuse me even more.
0: Yeah. The thing that you, the thing that got to me and really made me flick the switch was when um, people who had nothing to do with graffiti and a were part of the art world were um, calling me Aon and it just it sounded wrong. It was like cringy. It was <laughs> like, oh, I don't know. Nah, no, nah, that doesn't sound right coming out of your mouth. And yeah, yet I wanted to continue to work with these people and, and do art around them. And I just thought this is going to change. Yeah. yeah. The worst is when your friends,
1: parents start calling you by it as yeah, well. Like, cause you know. um, it became a nickname for me cause it was easier to pronounce hazard than it was Cairo. Cause mm-hmm. the way my real name is spelled, like it's not, people get it wrong all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone was just like, what's well, easier to just call you has or like has mm-hmm. and then it became such a nickname that that's how my friends were like introducing me to their parents. Mm-hmm. Like they wouldn't even sell us into graffiti. They just like, Hey, this is has, mm-hmm. um, and then when their parents start calling you that, that's when you, like, yeah. reassess it. So, yeah, I take a stand. And it's like, oh, just call me Kyra, man. This, you know, yeah. it's it's fine if you just want to call me by my real name.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've always had a, Um, I've never called anyone by their tag, ever. Like, yeah. Throughout all my years. Oh but, wow. Uh, yeah, I've just been like, I've always found that when they introduce themselves, if they introduce themselves as their tag, I'll be like, no, what's your real name? Yeah. And they will say, oh, you know, John or whatever. It's like, oh, this is always John to me. Yeah. And um and I, I still do that and everyone's like oh man it sounds like they're in trouble you're calling them by their
1: man it's not like the hip hop era anymore like yeah. it's, it's cool to acknowledge who you are I mean yeah. I think for a long period it was mostly just this identity thing but um, that's a stressful situation in itself like trying mm. to conceal your identity yeah um, the as soon as I like started telling people who I was like put a face to the tag like my problems just started going away mm. you know yeah. because people are way more cons- like They're way more concerned about your life if they don't know who you are. Mm. And sometimes that's not always a good thing. Yeah. Um, Exactly. But, yeah. I don't know. Either one I'm happy with. I I don't have a problem with my face, my name, any of that stuff. It's just, sometimes it's just easier to just let things go.
0: Well, in that case, Cairo, are you ready for some uh, rapid fire questions? Fire away. (laughs) Um, Name one artist you think deserves more shine.
1: Um i mean she's getting all the shine anyway but there's a a girl from auckland who um she's like a she's a photographer but she's been an artist for a long time her name's petra leary um so she's most famous now for doing like drone photography um and which uh, i think she's incredible the way she shoots and the way she goes about it and like the life she lives like i always thought it was really cool She's a lot younger than me um but like i remember her when she was a teenager and she was like a tagger so I've seen her rise as an artist, so I guess I can respond to that a lot more, as mm-hmm. opposed to someone that's just like, I've just met, and I'm just like, I mean, the artwork might look cool, but I guess I don't know their story, but um, for a long time, like, she's been an artist that has stuck out for me. Yeah. Petra Larry is her name.
0: Cool. Yeah. All right. We'll grow up. Yeah. Sorry about all the uh, the noise listeners. We're in, uh, currently in an Airbnb, which she's an old shop front, and it's just, I don't know, very thin windows. <laughs>
1: Surprised we haven't heard some of the sirens that we talked about yesterday oh, yet. Yeah.
0: I've mean, getting woken up every morning by like, um, you know, these like cockneys having a massive fight out <laughs> the front and it's, it's funny because we're in the East End and it's like, you know, real life East Enders. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's one medium you'd love to work with?
1: Um, I mean, I've been looking at the sculpture that's a, just across from me this whole interview um, which is basically like Carving, like I really would love to learn how to carve. Um, I mean, I guess uh, my cultural heritage is carving. Like Moldy did a lot of carving, um, but it's such a, a time-consuming um, trait that I just I don't think I have the time to um, give to it right now. Mm. But carving, I think, is something that I'd love to get into. And light, being able to utilize uh, light, is something that I like really want to get into and I am working on it and if all goes well hopefully in a few months you'll be like oh he did the light thing yeah So.
0: in what form of light
1: um at this point UV light mm-hmm. yeah cool. so it's it's a project that um I'm hoping to get signed off in the next few weeks and then yeah if all goes well you know you'll know yeah. by the end of the year whether that came to light <laughs> <laughs> excuse my dad jokes I've been hanging out with you too long yeah
0: bang bang <laughs> Um, what's one skill you wish you
1: had? Um, in the context of art, or just, just in general?
0: Well, I guess art—keep it art-related.
1: Um, well, carving, I guess. Yeah. Um, I probably should have saved that answer for this one. Um, oh, being able to focus a lot longer—I think mm-hmm. if I had the skill to focus a lot longer, yeah, that would, yeah. that would fucking help my bloody cause a lot.
0: Yeah. Um, who's your
1: favorite artist? Um, I've heard this question a lot through some of the other interviewees. So I think I should probably go through, uh, in a, in a timeline because yeah. each, I don't have a favorite artist. I just probably have a favorite artist for a period of time. Um, ultimately just because I think my dad sits at like the top cause he's just inspired me along the whole way. Um, but if I'm starting from like a periodical point of view, I'd probably say like Frank Rosetta when I was a kid, like I really looked up to him. Um, and then just basically like through the '90s, just um, like Marvel illustrators, just in whatever form. Um, and then <clears throat> uh, Cantu was probably like my first like graffiti like inspiration. Like someone I saw and was like, "Man, this dude's just doing that like, graffiti that I can't believe." Um, and then now, I don't know. I mean, you're probably one of my favorite artists at the moment. Oh, um, I, if you look at my work, you'll just see why I, I like people like your work. Um, you know, just the simplicity of it. Um, uh, John Kay is like one of my favorite artists, like a good friend of mine. Um, he's inspired me a lot, a, a lot along the way. Um, I think Eskew's doing, I, I like the work he's doing under his real name, Elliot O'Donnell, like he's doing some really cool work. Um, but, oh man, that's a hard question to ask, but yeah. from a periodical point of view, those are probably like my influences.
0: Yeah. It is a tough question. I've, uh, I've, um, like thought about it myself and I, I, I don't think any artist should have a favorite artist. depends on day you ask as well. You yeah, know? yeah, exactly. You'd
1: be pissed off one day and you'd be like, oh, yeah. I like this guy because he does work and doesn't care about anyone.
0: Yeah. But I think also if you have just one favorite artist, you uh, could end up looking a lot like their work. Yeah, which yeah. is
1: probably something I might have been guilty of like in the past. Yeah. But it's, I just see it as exploration, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, what advice would you give your younger self?
1: Um, educate yourself more. Mm. Like if I could go back and, because I, I like the life that I've lived, but there's the one things that keep popping up, are things in which I could have helped my situation a bit more, and which would have been if I was educated, um, which would certainly be like artist rights, I think. Way more artists need to learn about their rights in the artist community uh, And the other piece of advice that I would give myself is learn taxes then how to do your tax Like yeah. since leaving my job and I've had to do my own tax. It's become quite a nightmare um, So yeah learn my artists rights and learn How to utilize tax in a way that benefits me. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I remember um, having real bad tax issues from uh, living in London and trying to do them and just, oh, I don't know. I thought I was doing the right thing, but it all went pear-shaped. And, um, but then it caught up with me down the track when I was living in Barcelona and, you know, it's hard to earn a good wage over there and having to pay back this big tax debt that was all in pounds. Oh man, it broke me for like two years.
1: Oh cool, I feel shit shitload better up one day yeah. knowing that I'm probably going to have the tax man chasing me.
0: No, just, just stay on top of it. Yeah. And just like, and the thing is I tried to save money by doing it myself and I didn't do it right yeah and I think if you just pay someone to do it
1: yeah there's a lot of umbrella companies here I think yeah Yeah, Yeah. it's a small fee to pay to not have to deal with the tax money exactly
0: I paid so much more um, through stuffing it up on my own than it would have cost me just to get an accountant and do it yeah yeah anyway tax (laughs) I've had to make friends with it it for years that word just like I don't know maybe yeah Shiver. They always say there's two <laughs> things
1: in life they're inevitable: death and tax. yeah
0: yeah. yeah. Um, do you have a, a dream project you'd love to work on?
1: Uh, I think for now, like oh I mean yes, but I don't think I've right thought about that question enough to answer. Just honestly like to to be able to keep making art for the next few years, and I'm sure my dream projects will come from that. Because mm-hmm. um, traveling and making art was my dream project for once, and I'm doing that now. Um, but like I think just something like something that makes a big impact I think on especially like where I'm from in New Zealand if I can do something in New Zealand that speaks for like my culture Mm -hmm. that would be like a dream project for me I don't know what it is but that's probably like the context of it
0: yeah Yeah. cool and um, where are you wanting to take your art career?
1: Um, enough to survive at the moment but I don't know I mean it's it just takes it wherever it takes it at the moment I'm just I'm being I think if I just keep making the artwork that I enjoy making um it'll eventually sort of just start to form its own path and you know and I'll walk down that path Mm -hmm. as I build it um but I don't have a particular path because I used to think I knew what I want based on looking at my friends who had lived it just before me um but yeah i keep finding out like the closer i get to it that that's not really what i want to do and yeah. i don't know what i want to do but i know that i don't want to do what they're doing yeah um so just just keep doing it at the moment i think is like kind of like what i'm content with um and it'll, it'll formulate something in yeah. the future hopefully but as at the moment so as long as i can keep um, making artwork mm-hmm. um and not have to get a job yeah then, yeah, that's where i'm at yeah
0: that's a good place because I know if, for me personally I've thought about it and even as you were saying your your dream was to travel and be an artist and now you're doing that I think it's always um, handy to have sort of the next step like not the end goal but just the next step because you you suddenly realize that you're there if you know what I mean yeah yeah uh,
1: yeah like, something I should think about yeah. um, but ultimately I guess where I think probably goes back to like the dream project. Um, just making artwork I guess that benefits like, like where I'm from like, yeah. particularly like my heritage, my culture um, and that really speaks I guess to, to those that I influence which is for the most part like the younger generation I mean they inherit the world so we yeah. should give them something to fucking hold on to because I yeah. don't feel like we've, you know, we're holding on to bloody barbed wire at the moment
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, So do you have any uh, future plans or projects in the pipeline?
1: uh yeah there's one project i mean in the immediate future i'm going back to new zealand which is for uh, kind of a whole bunch of commercial projects and then i'm assisting askew uh with a mural that he has in las vegas in august no september uh and then yeah there's a project that i'm working on at the moment um and i don't want to say what it is because we haven't confirmed it um but it's with a just with a brand over here in London. Well, it's an international brand, but they're the London sector. Um, yeah, I don't want to jinx it and say like keep an eye out and then it gets, mm. it gets the cull. Uh, but that in itself, I think, you know, coming to London and being able to like, even just have that conversation of, I'm doing a project with this company in London. Like, for me, I feel pretty good about that. Yeah,
0: congratulations. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. And um, so where's the best place for people to uh, check out your artwork online?
1: uh instagram i have a new instagram because two weeks ago my old instagram was hacked and deleted um so my original username which used to be hazard nz, NZ being from new zealand um someone decided they wanted it more and then deleted it so it's uh hazard underscore nz now yeah yeah and i hate underscores but it was like yeah. the closest thing i could do that if someone typed in hazard, it would be the next thing that comes up or just hazard yeah cool
0: yeah all right well thanks for taking the time to sit down and have a chat oh thanks for having me no don't no worries thanks again for tuning in to another episode of bench talk to view images of the guest's artwork follow us on instagram at bench underscore talk or go to the website benchtalkpodcast.com if you want to stay up to date with the latest episodes subscribe via apple Podcasts, spotify soundcloud or stitcher if you like the podcast don't forget to tell a friend uh, thanks again for tuning in and stay tuned for next week's episode